that the stage looks a little differently today than it usually does. If you hadn't noticed that, the stage looks a little differently today than it usually does. Um, and uh, that's, that's because last night and tonight, our children have been, uh, are going to be presenting a, a musical, or have presented a musical. And so anyway, if you came last night, you know you want to come back tonight. And if you didn't come last night, you know you want to come back tonight. I, I promise you that
thank you for who you are. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, there's been many folks that have been lifted up in prayer this morning. I pray that you give us an opportunity to serve them, that you begin to prepare their hearts, prepare our hearts to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, uh, you go before us. Uh, we are just willing vessels, but it's the spirit that moves. And I, I pray for salvation. I pray for people who are far from you will be drawn to you as we lift them up in prayer. And so, Lord, uh, may you be honored and glorified. Give us the courage to speak when it's time to speak. Give us the wisdom to, to know what to say and to know what to maybe to refrain from saying. But, Father, may you be honored. May you be glorified. Move in the life move in the life of our people, uh, move in our lives, and uh, may we be an agent of change, uh, may, may just, just, a, just a conduit of the Holy Spirit moving forward as we, uh, as we share, as we pray for these individuals you've placed in our hearts. May you be magnified, it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please stand again with us.
encouraging to be reminded to remind ourselves through the song, just like we we heard about in the Sunday school lesson this morning. That songs remind us of God's faithfulness; they remind us of God. His love is there for us, and His grace is truly enough for us. So let's continue to sing.
us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this time that you've given us to come to your house and worship you this morning. Lord, I pray that as we go throughout our week, that we will shine the light of you as we go uh, and share your gospel. I pray for tonight that the play will go well and that everybody will have fun watching it and that these tithes and offerings will further your kingdom. Decide to leave his throne in heaven. Why would he come so far to save my heart from sin? And how it hurts to know the worst he had to suffer. Was just because he chose to die for what I did. I owe him everything. I owe him everything. All because he took my place that day at Cal. In spite of ways, I'm still ungrateful. He gives me mercy, though the dead I owe is clear. And day by day, I find the ways he still is faithful.
Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. His Hey!
Thank you, Curtis and Ann, choir, Bill, that was great. Praise band. Uh, it's good to be in God's house, isn't it? Look around at each other. See the faces. Look at your brothers and sisters. The scars they have. The battles they fought. Life well lived. Life hardly lived at some points. Tough times, great times. This is the church. We are the church. Thank you. Y'all be seated for a minute. We're going to continue today in Revelation, and we're going to pick up where I'm a little more familiar. Woo, I'm hot. Let me move that back a little bit. Um, we're starting with the bad kids this week, so I identify with these churches more than anything. Like I told you last week, I've got a brother that identifies with the good kids. We're getting into where I am familiar, where I'm in good company, into the bad kids. And we're going to begin today with Revelation chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 18. We're going to begin with the church at Thyatira. Now, whenever we read accounts from the Bible, when we read things from God's Word, sometimes it just seems so far out of reach of us. It's hard for us to relate sometimes. It's hard for us to grasp onto something that can give us a connection, a physical connection with what we're talking about. Well, we're going to talk about Thyatira first. And Thyatira, city in Turkey, uh, the church there is about 50 to 60 years old. Theologians aren't terribly sure who founded it. Could be John, could have been Paul, could have been one of John or Paul's disciples that went on to found it. But we know that there's a church there that Paul has interaction with because we know of a lady from there. Um, do we do we know from the Bible that's from Thyatira? Lydia. What does Lydia sell? It says she sells purple. Uh, she doesn't sell purple cloth, but she actually sells dye. Thyatira is known for its dye making. It's known for its copper smithing. It's known for silver smithing. Uh, we actually have something in the sanctuary today that comes from Ashekar or as it's known in the Bible as Thyatira. Anybody in here care to guess what it might be? No, it's not the stained glass. Ethan, you should know. Come here. You are so, so close. What's the name on this? Zildjian. The house of Zildjian is from Thyatira. What's the symbol made of? Brass. It's made of brass. Thank you. What's brass made out of? What two elements? Copper and zinc. And different ratios give you different types of brass. This is one of the oldest companies in the world. Their factory is about three miles outside of city limits of what we know to be Thyatira. These symbols from the house of Zildjian were made in Thyatira. The guilds that work metallurgy are 
ancient. They are thousands of years old. The brotherhoods that do metallurgy, that do dye making. Lydia is actually a member of the dye making guild, and they hold a lot of power. Thyatira is a center of commerce. Now, this happens to be Christ's longest letter. So, buckle up. Uh, but they are, uh, this whole region, we'll be talking about Sardis momentarily. Sardis is very similar, except they're known for their jewelry. Over here in Sardis, they make jewelry. Here in Thyatira, we dye cloth. We're textiles. It's kind of like the Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, Chattanooga, Dalton area of the Middle East. They're known for textiles. They're known for crafts. They're known for skilled labor. And in these skilled labors, they form guilds. Uh, what do we call them today? Unions. So, and do unions exert a lot of power politically? Yes. It's no different 2,000 years ago. The same thing's happening there. But this side of the sanctuary, if you would, please stand for the reading of God's word. Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 18. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy work. He already said that and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds, and I will kill her children with death, and all churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. But that which ye have already, hold fast till I come, and he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father, and I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Father God, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you for knowing your church, for loving your church, Father, for you allowing him to rebuke his church, to warn us. Father, I ask that you set this old clay pot aside, Lord, that you teach, that you preach, God, that you give us your words today. Father, open our hearts to your spirit, to your love, to your willingness to work within us. Father, we love you. God, we praise you. Have your will and your way in this time. We ask it all in the transforming and life-changing name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. So like we said, this is a trades guild. I mean, it is a union town. Everybody belongs to one of these guilds. If you, if you are a craftsman in town, you belong to the union. It's kind of a prerequisite. But early in the church, 
Christians were taught don't join these so all of a sudden we have one of the first major political confrontations with the church in the area well I've got to be a member of the trade guild if you want to sell something you do but but I'm in the church and if I want to be in the church well I can't be a member of that so it begins to pull at the congregation members at God's children's but let's go back to our format how he introduces himself what he likes what he doesn't like how does he introduce himself these two sections how does he introduce himself I am the son of God eyes like fire feet like brass now we we, we saw this in chapter 1 and with these references and who has seen this same Christ before we said it a couple weeks ago he, 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 he gets to sleep in the lion's den tonight Daniel go back to Daniel chapter 10 we see the son of God with white hair eyes of fire feet like brass clad in a white robe girt about with a golden belt we see the high priest John seeing the same guy so I am the son of God eyes like fire and feet like brass so what kind of congregation do we have here Jew or Gentile we have Jew why do we know it's Jew he's going back to Daniel he's using the old scriptures to give himself validity to introduce himself I am he that testifieth of himself before Abraham was I am Christ is giving validity to his godship to his heirship to his authority over the churches he goes on to say I know your what your works charity faith service patience and I and thy works well he said it twice but he goes on to say but the latter are better than the first why it tells us something about the church what's the church doing what's the church doing if the first works aren't as good as the last works they're growing this is the only church out of the seven where Christ recognizes that the church is growing your works when you first started out they were great but you're getting better your, your, your patience your love your charity your service it's getting better you're not quite there but it's getting better notwithstanding I have what against you you got Jezebel that calls herself a prophetess now Jezebel is a Phoenician name the Phoenicians have long been since absorbed into the Greek and now Roman empires so the name Jezebel at this point is around 1200 years old it's an old name um, theologians go back and forth is this a particular person does this represent somebody are they just calling somebody Jezebel so that the church understands what they're talking about because this being a Jewish congregation they would know about Ahab and Jezebel right they would know all the old scriptures they would know how Jezebel sought after Elijah and sought to kill him and how Elijah stood firm 
and that Jezebel was seeking fornication. She, she sought to rid the kingdom of Christ or of God's people and put in those that worship Baal and those that kept Ashtaroth. So Jezebel's is a pretty rough name, isn't it? It conjures up bad images. So they don't know specifically if this is, like I said, if this is a specific person or they're just calling this person Jezebel or if this is just for the spirit in general that guides the guilds because the guilds, as it talks about Jezebel, she calls herself a prophet. She seduces the slaves, the servants. The servant word here is doulos. Remember, that means slaves. It seduces them to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. The guilds oftentimes required that you come to feasts that honored their deity, uh, feasts that would honor their patron, their version of a patron saint, a patron god, whatever. You come to this feast, you participate in the activities. Now, may, may I submit to you today that most of these activities are less than holy. You would have the feast. Along with the feast, you would have just massive amounts of drunkenness, drunken chaos. It's just, and, and then eventually just sexual impurity that is beyond the scope of imagination. And we would think, God, is the end not near? Before Noah, sexual impurity just ran rampant. Theologians also can't agree is this physical fornication or is it spiritual fornication? Are you adapting to the things of the world while trying to keep one foot in the church? Are you seeking after what the guilds want you to do? Are we seeking after what our job wants us to do versus what God has called us to do? Does our job lead us sin? Does our job lead us to cheat on Yahweh? Is it taking us from the church, from the things of the church? Now, there are legitimate careers that you work on Sunday. Our first responders, God bless you. God bless you each and every day. Medical people, God bless you each and every day. You get pulled away. But those aren't careers that we're talking about. We're talking about the careers where you have to wear certain types of clothing. Careers where you have to believe a certain way. Careers where you have to speak certain things. Does your career call you out of the church? Does it force you to be outside of God's will? As a Christian, that's something we have to look at. My class, my Sunday school class, that's something you have to look at as you go into the workplace. What does your career call for you to do? But Christ goes on to say, I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Jezebel is a prophetess that seduces slaves to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. We talked about the Nicolaitans. He did, Christ didn't say, I hate them. He said, I hate their doctrine. He's saying to Jezebel, I hate what you're doing. I'm giving you space to repent. 
I'm suffering you to repent. I'm giving you an opportunity to change your ways. And she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. I will cast her into a bed. God said, Christ says, I'm going to bring her to naught. I'm going to make her weak. I'm going to make her feeble. I'm going to consume her with sickness so that she cannot bear to do anything. And he goes on to say, what will I do to her children? I will kill them with what? Death. That's a scary thought. If we look back up here at verse 11, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death. It's the same reference. I'm going to kill them with death. Now there's a difference between a mom whose kids have absolutely got on her last nerve, tap danced, run around, stomped on it, and she's like, I'm going to kill you! And as a child, being a bad child, you're like, <laughs> no, you're not. You're going to yell and scream. You might spank a little to the left, Mom. Oh, that's, that's the spot right there. And you think, nah, she's not going to kill me. But then the silent dad, I'm about to kill you. Yes, sir. This is quite literal death. This isn't the expression, I'm going to kill you. This is, I'm going to kill you with death. You will die. I'm going to take away from you life from the hereafter. You're going to enter into the devil's punishment. You're going to enter into Satan's hell. Uh, you will be hurt in the second death. And all the churches shall know that I am he that searcheth the reins and hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. This is another direct reference back to Elijah, or excuse me, Isaiah. Isaiah 11, verse 3. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. We talked about that before. The reins and the heart. And the reins here are not the reins that we think of for a horse. They're not the things that that you hang on to and you gallop, but they are the things that steer man. He searches the heart. Okay, he, man, she's got a good heart. Man, he's got a just a big, great heart. Man, God bless him. And he may be doing it the whole time. Look at me. I'm giving to the poor. My heart's so big. Man, you got a great heart. Look at how much you gave. But what steers that man? What reigns? The word reigns here actually means the innermost parts. To, for a literal translation, it means kidneys. But in the figurative sense, it means the, the, the very core of a man, the very inside that, that drives a man where no man sees, where no man hears, but God searches those things. God searches the reins. Why are you doing what you're doing? 
and for him to say, I know your first works to be less than your last, that your last works are so much better. God's searching the reins of this church. He's searching their hearts. He knows that there are people that are growing. They are seeking God day after day. They are absorbed in the word. They have the biblical what that we talked about last week. Biblical what? Literacy. Very good. To know their word. They're knowing their word. They're seeking their word. They're testing people to see if they're Jews or not. That if Are they of the synagogue of Satan or are they seeking after God? God searches that inner man. He judges not off of what he sees, not off of what he hears like man does. He judges off what he knows. And I forgive unto every man according to his works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. He's speaking to those folks. But you have those in Thyatira, they've not known the depths of Satan. They haven't sunk to this level of depravity. They have walked in the world and not gotten stained. They have walked in robes of white and have not gotten dirty. They are seeking after me. They're following after me. Their heart is close to me, and they've not gotten dirty. They haven't gotten bogged down in the sin of this world. Church, are we clean? Church, are we clean? Or are we getting bogged down? Are we getting stains on our robes? Are we dragging it through the mud at the workplace? Maybe your workplace doesn't require that you step away from God, but you choose to step away from God in that. Are you dragging your robe? Are you getting nasty? Are you the one picking up dirt, rubbing it on there, handling dirt, and getting nasty, wiping your hands off? I will put upon you none other burden. He says, you know what? It's bad where you are already. But you're growing. You're doing the right things. I'm not going to add anything to it. You keep growing. Until the day that I come, you keep searching out. You keep looking for me. You keep following after me. You keep reading. You keep sticking yourself into my word. You keep pursuing my spirit. Keep pursuing those works that are better. Not because they're more but because they're better. They're not necessarily quantity works, but quality works. They're works that are driven from the innermost man, from the innermost man's desire to please God. But that which ye have already, hold fast till I come. What? But God is just a little bit. I know. Hold fast to it. But God, I'm nobody great. I just pick up trash in the parking lot. I know because you want God's house to be perfect. Hold fast to that. God, it's just changing diapers in the nursery. I know. But somebody's going to hear my word because of that. Hold fast to that. God, it's just making spaghetti. I know. Hold fast to that. Do the work because you want to see God glorified. You want to see God edified. You maintain that attitude until I come back. 
Well, when's that going to be? It doesn't matter. Keep doing it until I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end to him will I give power over the nations. I'm going to make you a ruler. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken into shivers, even as I received of my father. Have we seen this rod before? Have we seen this rod before? I'm very participatory if you haven't figured it out yet. Yes. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God, the, the staff has already been explained. Get out of the junk. Get out of the world. I'm pulling you up out of the ditch. I'm pulling you out of the disgustingness. I'm pulling you out of the cesspool of life. I've saved you with that. Now to him that overcomes, him that can be clean, here's the rod of iron. To what? To rule by. It does not change. It stays straight. It's powerful. And it says of the nations, they shall be broken like the vessels of a potter into shivers. Now, a potter has a very specific rod. Why? Glad you asked. The potter casts his pots, his bowls, his vessels, he bakes them. When they come out, they've got a crack. If they got lopsided in the fire, if they are anything less than what the potter desired, psh, shivers, broken pieces, good to be what? Thrown out. When the nations become less than God's desires. The church is to be a rod of iron. The church is to be holy. It is to be that standard that does not bend, that does not change. The church, in its biblical literacy, is called to be holy. And I will give to him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. How many folks have just enjoyed the sunshine the last week? You didn't have to put your floaties on to go out to the car. You didn't have to crank the, the bass boat to get to work the last few days. We were praying this morning. I'm sitting over there in this big, shines its light into the window and it warmed my shoulders and even with my eyes closed I could feel the brightness of it you could see the brightness of it Just I mean, you hold your eyes like this and then you get to the sun and it's like ooh squeeze 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 and it's still so bright even through your eyelids I will give them the morning star I will give them We've seen the morning star before. It's over here in Matthew. I think it's Matthew chapter 24, as I'm thinking about it. I may be wrong, but this is just off the top of my head here. 
he refers to himself as the bright and morning star. That's also a reference back to Isaiah. When Isaiah is teaching about the fall of Lucifer, they're an agrarian society. And he's, he's speaking about what they know about. A lot of times during the year, you'll come out before the sun rises, and you'll see this really bright, we call it a star, but what is it? It's the planet Venus. In the Roman tongue, it's called Abaddon. It means light bearer, Lucifer. And so Isaiah is using something they know to tell them of God's, of, of what's happened in heaven. And it says, you will ascend into the heaven. You, you, you seek to put your throne above the most high, and you will be light. Now, in our society today, we don't know much of the light that Venus can give all first thing in the morning because we've got so many street lights. We've got house lights. We've got porch lights. We've got yard lights. We've got car lights. We've got airport lights that you can see for miles. In fact, to truly understand this, you would have to go to the middle of the Pacific Ocean in the southern hemisphere to be, a far, be far away enough from any landmass to experience what these guys would have experienced as total darkness. But you said you would be like the most high. But then shortly after Venus gets up, what happens? The sun comes up. And just that little sliver of sunlight is enough to eclipse this star. You said you would ascend into the heavens and be like the bright and morning star comes up, and it eclipses. How many stars are out right now? Millions of them. But can you see them? Oh, why? Sun's out. The glory of my God the glory of my Savior who died on a sinner's cross, shed his blood for me, outshines the sun. To him that overcomes, I will give him me, the morning star. Satan's going to give you a lie. Satan's going to do his own version of kingmanship, of godlyship. But let me tell you, when I come out, I will eclipse that. I will supersede anything that Satan offers you. I will give you me. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Is this just for Thyatira? No. The Spirit's talking, the letter's written to Thyatira, but it's written to Thyatira for my benefit. It's written to Thyatira for your benefit. All of these letters are written for Northside's benefit, for Christian benefit. It's not just to Thyatira. The church in America has the same problems. The church in America has encountered every single one of these problems. We've encountered false doctrine. We've encountered the seduction of Satan upon our lives. We've encountered things that God hates. It's not just to these seven churches. It's to me. It's to you. It's to Northside. It's to the church, to God's bride, to be chaste, to be pure, to be holy. Moving on, this side, if you would please stand for the reading of God's word. 
Y'all got the not quite bad, not quite good kid over here. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore you shall not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that, he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. God bless the reading of his word. Thank you. Be seated. So how does Christ introduce himself here? How does he introduce himself? I have the seven spirits. I have the seven stars. Okay? So, knowing these two passages, what kind of congregation is it? Gentile or Jew? It's Jew. It's a Jewish, it's a Jewish church. Now, we go back. We turn back to Isaiah because we've already been back to Revelation 1. It's Isaiah 11, verse 2. What are the seven spirits? And the spirit of the holy God shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Those are the seven spirits. Now, what's, what else does he say? He says, I have what? Seven stars. Where does he have the seven stars? Which hand? Right hand. Right hand being what? Clean. So what's, what's the relationship here implied? That the pastors be what? Clean. Everything's written for a reason. that I have the seven spirits, I am the indwelling of God, I am a clean high priest, I hold the pastors to these churches in my hands, I expect for them to be clean. Now, what does he go on to say that he knows about the church? I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are really dead. All right, Sardis, like we said, is a trades town. Now, Sardis has a matron god in the Roman pantheon, or the Roman group of gods. It is Sibeli. Sibeli, in, in the Roman god system, she's the mother of all gods. Now, to truly grab a hold of what Christ is saying in this passage, we need to know something about her. Sibeli is a medical spa, hospital kind of place. Um, they erect a huge temple to her, and you get interviewed to go to this temple to be healed. If it's something the priests think you can be healed from, come in. Hey, look, Sibeli healed him. If there, if there was a good chance you were going to die, 
no, you don't come in because you might defame the name of Sibeli. So for Christ to say, I know thy works, thou hast a name that thou livest, but are dead. He's speaking to the people in that region who know what he's talking about. It's not just, hey, the church seems to have a good reputation, but he's speaking to the other deities that are worshipped in here, the bad doctrine, the false doctrine. You have a name that you are, that you are alive, but you're really dead. I know that Sibeli thinks that she's got power over the body. I don't remember Sibeli ever saying, hey, Lazarus, come forth. I haven't read that anywhere. I'm sure y'all haven't either because, well, it didn't happen. The very, the very God who formed the earth, who took a handful of dirt and made man, the very God who stood at that temple or stood at that tomb with two sisters who were arguably upset they're upset for good reason Bubba's been dead for four days think of the necrosis of the body that has happened so far think of a deer on the side of the road in August in Georgia after four days that sucker's ready to pop if it hadn't already Lazarus been dead four days the very God that made man not only has power over the flesh but has the power to reverse everything that's happened to Lazarus the very, the, very, the very word is spoken here you have a reputation of being alive but you are dead it speaks to their level of works too I know thy works that thou hast a name that thou livest and are dead be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die for I have not found thy works perfect before God What do you mean? We're ministering to this group. We're ministering to this group. Have you seen the number of kids that play in our leagues, God? Have you seen the number of concerts that we hold at our church, God? Have you seen our women's ministry, the hundreds or thousands of women that come? Our men's conferences, they pack out every time. God, have you not seen that? I know thy works. You have a reputation for living, but you're dead. Just like Thyatira, I searched the reins and I searched the hearts. We talked about these churches a few weeks ago that have these great, mega, just mega congregations. But what's their real footprint in the community? What's their real outreach? What's their real heart? Are they alive? Are they dead? Are they, do they seemingly do really great things? Do they have to have a publicist to do it? So that in the newspaper or on your news feed online, that, oh, this church did this. We fed 28,273 people yesterday. Way to go, church. Are their works when tried by fire? Are they gold and they last? and stubble when they burn up you have a reputation for being alive but you're dead be watchful and strengthen the things that remain that are ready to die for I have not found thy works perfect before God works that are ready to die 
well, you know, this program's not really accomplishing what we want it to as a church. Yeah, 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 I, I understand there were two or three people that were saved through it, but we've got this concert series coming up, and we need all hands on deck for that. Okay, yeah, it, but it's just two or three souls. No, we've got concerts. We need all hands. Well, maybe this little bitty ministry that's saving souls, that's leading people to Christ. Quality over quantity. A little bit of gold worth way more than a lot of hay. A little bit of silver's worth more than all the stubble that's in the fire. A block of steel, too big, costs five dollars. Make it into hinges or something. Yeah, make it worth about five hundred dollars if you do the right kind of. Make it into needles for sewing. A little block of steel is worth three thousand. Same block of steel. If you turn it into timing springs for a watch, a block of steel, three hundred thousand dollars. What are we doing with what we're given? Are we making hinges and making a little bit? Or are we making springs and we're making a lot? What God's given us is a little block of steel. $5 block of steel, a little hunk. Make needles, make 3000 Make hinges, a few hundred bucks. Make springs, we're making hundreds of thousands of dollars. What if we took that approach to disciple-making? What if we took that approach to winning souls, church? What if we took that approach in our testimonies, church? What if we walked like that day in and day out, church? If we strengthened the things that were about to die, that we actually looked for the gold and the silver instead of the hay and the stubble. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. Have we heard this before? Remember from where you've fallen. What's the next step? Repent. Third step is Repeat if necessary. Remember where you fell from. Repent. Repeat. Remember falling. Repent from what caused you to fall. Repeat every time you fall. Get up. Dust yourself off. Seek God's forgiveness and keep plowing. Keep paving that road. Keep moving forward, church. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Back in Matthew, Jesus talks about this. He says, Lo, I shall come as a thief in the night. 
for if a good man knows that the thief is coming, will he not make his house secure? But he doesn't know that he's coming, so the thief comes in and enters the house when the man is unaware. Watch. Be vigilant, or I will come as a thief. Well, God, how long are we going to have to watch? It doesn't matter. How long do we have to be vigilant? It doesn't matter. You just watch until I come. You be ready. You be ready to go now. You be ready to go 100 years from now. Church, be ready. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. I'm going to make him a priest. He that overcomes, I'm going to let you serve in the temple of my Father day and night. I'm going to give you a white robe over here in Revelation 7. It speaks to a crowd before the throne. And it says that no man can number the crowd for multitude, and they're all clad in white. Now, I don't know about you, but we got a lot of numbers. Do we not? We've got rational, we've got irrational, we've got whole, we've got fractions. We've got imaginary numbers. We've got constants. We've got Googles. We've got Google Plexes. It's not that we can't count the number of people. But over here in chapter 2, 23, I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts. See, no man can number it because no man knows. No man knows the heart. No man knows the the reins, what steers a man. No man knows. I do not judge by what I see or what I hear, but what I know, says the Lord. I know the heart. It's a great multitude, but no man can number it because you don't see people the way I see people. God helped the church to see people that way. God helped the church to see souls that way. God, give us your eyes. I'm going to clothe them in white. And with that white robe comes a belt of gold. It is a priestly vesture. It is a garment fit for a king. It has never been worn by anybody else. It is a virgin robe of pure white linen. It is clean, it is stain-free, and it is given by the God Almighty. I'm going to sing his name. I'm going to seek his face. I'm going to bow at his feet, and I'll wash him with my tears. Now, a very controversial part. I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before the angels. I wished I could say that we could explain this 100%. And any man that tells you he can, he's probably a liar. People have argued about this verse probably since right after it was written. What does it mean? To be 
Pharisees. They had a professor, and I'm going to follow this professor's rule of thumb. I believe everything the Bible has to say about this verse. If you are seeking God's face, if you are seeking his heart, if you are trying your best day in and day out, talking to God, seeking God, trying to live in his will, this verse isn't for you. It doesn't apply to you. It's not something you need to worry about. If you want to argue about Calvinism versus Arminianism, go to Olive Garden, order the never-ending bowl of pasta because you'll be there the rest of the day, all night, and into next week, I guarantee, and neither one of you will come out with your mind changed. I promise that. We don't want to get bogged down in the details. We just want to know that God says, follow me. Seek after me. It, we're, we're not going to get bogged down in the theological arguments because we don't win souls that way. We make brothers and sisters mad that way. We get angry with each other. We get hurt with each other. I'm not going to worry about the argument. I want to be one of these people that gets a white robe. I don't know about you. I want the people in Northside to have white robes. If we're seeking God's face, again, if we're seeking his will, if we are living in him day in and day out, constantly going before his throne, I don't have to worry about my name being blotted out because I'm seeking him. I'm trying my best to overcome. I remember from where I fall, I get up, dust my knees off, I repent, and the next time I fall, I repeat. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. We're fascinated by the book of Revelation because we're fascinated by the unknown. Things that we don't quite understand. Oh, wow, this is prophecy. How can I, how can I make what's happening in the world today fit this prophecy? Hold fast to it. Let your latter works be better than the previous works. It's like I tell my soccer teams, today's treasure is tomorrow's trash. Your best today is your starting point tomorrow. Get closer to God. Get further into God's word. Drown yourself in the Holy Spirit. Seek God day after day after day after day with zeal. Do we get tired in the work? Yes. Don't get tired of the work. Have zeal. Seek after God. Hold fast to his robe. Hold fast to his hand. Yes, we stumble. Yes, we fall. Get up, repent, and go. Strengthen the things that remain. Put the dead things to the side. Father God, God, write your word on our hearts. Father, be who you are. God, lead us as individuals, as your children. God, lead us as a church. Father, God, lead us as the church to you to seek your face. Father, we're just poor, wretched dogs at the table begging for crumbs. But you've come to give us so much more, Lord. 
Father, I ask that you have your will and your way. Lord, again, just be who you are. We ask it all in Jesus' holy name.